This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. The legends are true! But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, February 13th. 2023 on today's episode we're going to discuss the latest film and tv news this is slash film editorial director peter soretta and joining me on his podcast is slash film staff writer and box office analyst ryan scott hey hey everyone how's it going so ryan last night was uh there was something on tv like a, a thing it's a, a big game of some sort called the super bowl uh, I, indeed there was <laughs> i didn't watch it uh you know i used to like every year i used to watch the super bowl just for the advertisements but now that you can watch all the advertisements on youtube and stuff i just skip out on on the super bowl because i'm not a sports person and i just end up watching the best ads the the next day or that night uh, but i'm assuming ryan i think you are a sports person uh, I'm particularly an NFL football fan, as we've discussed several times on this podcast, and I uh, now I have that glorious break for seven months where I don't have any football in my life. Uh, but yeah, I usually, even if it's teams I don't like, I tend to watch the Super Bowl. Um, I actually ended up throwing a little party at my place last night. Uh, very little, I say. I, uh, I moved into a new place a couple months ago, so it was an excuse to have some people over, and uh, you know, it was a it was a good time. Uh, how was the game? Uh, it was a good game. Uh, little, there's a little bit of a controversy about the the ending because there was a, a somewhat questionable call, holding call that sort of led the Chiefs to win the game. And uh, I say somewhat questionable. But anyway, you know that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, you don't you don't really want the Super Bowl to be decided by a flag on the play, but you know that's the way the chips fall sometimes. But uh, anyhow, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I uh, I do enjoy football, so I had myself a good time. I find it funny that like I'm probably the only person that you could explain what happened on the Super Bowl as if they hadn't seen it <laughs> too. <laughs> but anyway, well, you know, I mean, because the thing is that there's a lot of people that you know, like they they'll go to like a Super Bowl party even though they don't typically watch football. So like they don't, you know what I mean? It's you're you're certainly not in in there's there's quite a few people in your <laughs> shoes. Is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I used to do that all the time. And, uh, you know, now I'm antisocial, especially after post pandemic, I, I could just stay at home, be by myself, Ryan. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about the trailers. Let's talk about some of the TV spots. Actually, before the trailers, uh, there was one commercial during the Super Bowl that actually had um, well, had a character from the MCU. It had there, there was a beer commercial with Ant-Man. Did you see that one? I did, uh, yeah. I, I actually they had released a like teaser for that trailer, like a thirty second or like it was like a fifteen second version of that spot. I included it in superhero bits a few weeks ago, and and yeah, so they finally had it. Was um yeah, it was like a, 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 a an Ant Man Heineken commercial, but for specifically for the non alcoholic version of Heineken they're pushing, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think that's kind of fun because I was wondering how they were going to do that because it does kind of seem weird nowadays to have like a superhero be like promoting beer, you know, when there's so many kids that look up for the superheroes, but I guess, I guess this is non-alcoholic. It's okay. I guess I imagine it's more of a Marvel thing. Cause like for me, it's like, you know, so many beer ads still rely on like the whole, Hey, you had a hard day at work, put your feet up and grab a Budweiser or whatever. Like, I don't see why you couldn't have, why, why it's unreasonable for, you know, Hey, Spider-Man, you had a hard day, you know, save in New York City, put your feet up and have a beer, you know, like that doesn't seem <laughs> super unreasonable to me. But uh, but I can understand why Marvel and particularly Disney probably wouldn't want their superheroes shucking for alcohol. But I can see why, like Ant-Man promoting non-alcoholic beer, that kind of makes sense. In the 80s, things were wild, Ryan. I have a poster up in my office that was from the 80s, and it's of E.T., and he's behind the bar. I think it might be a Coors or Budweiser. I don't know. I don't have it ne next to me right now. But uh, I think it says on there, and he's, like, at the bar, and he's, like, in front of the taps. And it's E.T. in a bar, uh, and he's. it says, um, you know, don't drink and drive. Remember, phone home. And I thought. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Although, but that is but that is particularly promoting, like, yeah. you know, not, I mean, I, but that's still – it was a very different time for sure. Like I was, I got, I was at a months ago, I was at a, like an antique shop in the middle of nowhere in Texas with my, with my girlfriend and they had a bunch of spuds McKenzie merch. And I was like, Oh, Hey, spuds McKenzie. And she's like, what are you talking about? And like three other people. And like, I didn't even really grow up with them, but I just like said, so aware of who that was. And then like three other people in the store were like, what do you mean? You don't know who spuds McKenzie is. And like, there was like this whole, like, I don't know. So yeah, it's just, we don't really have beer mascots like that anymore, I guess in the same way It's particularly not ET, you know, it's very, very strange. <laughs> Um, okay, what else did we see in the Super Bowl? There was a, a new TV spot for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, I mean, it was mostly the same footage we had seen previously. Uh, I felt like there there were a couple new sequences because there yeah. was like the plane sequence and then there was a little bit more with Mads Mikkelsen's character. Um, the plane the sequence pl looks insane, but he, I mean, they have one of them has to have like a a uh, a pack, right? Like a there's yeah, going to be. The, the plane sequence looked a little like, like we have a lot of money, let's do something with it. And it looked very like CG to me. Um, it, uh, that, that was the one, cause I've been very, actually very encouraged by everything I've seen by this movie. That was the one sequence where I was like, mm, I don't know. Cause I also just the, bud the budget recently came out and then I was like, ah, there's the money. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's been, <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert. It is tremendously expensive. 
Um, so what was the budget? I didn't even hear about this. Just shy of three hundred million dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, and so I'm actually million of it is going to Harrison Ford. No, um, probably. Well, I, 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 I'm uh, not to not to tease it, but I'm writing a thing for us, kind of about a lot of these recent franchise movies have have gotten into like what used to be like extremely rare money being spent, and 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 at that point it it becomes so counterproductive because you know, what you need to make to become profitable when you spend that kind of money is just asinine. And uh, I, I think we need to, I think, I think these studios really need to get a handle on some of this stuff. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future, but let's talk about, um, I, I think probably the most exciting trailer to come out of the Super Bowl was the Super Bowl trailer for the flash. And I think to me, at least uh, why it was most exciting is it had the most, reveals and things i didn't expect from this movie like i didn't know uh zod was going to be in the movie maybe, maybe i just um, haven't been reading into it maybe you, you doing superhero bets and stuff maybe that's a, a known quantity but yeah so so we figured that out when i believe it was uh at cinemacon our our very own ben pearson uh who podcast listeners would be very familiar with uh, w- was there and he got to preview some footage uh, months ago and yeah that was when it was kind of revealed like oh hey Zod's in this um, but like none of us had like seen anything about that and now we get to like see Zod which was pretty crazy yeah uh, other reveal well obviously not a reveal but Michael Keaton as Batman and him saying I'm Batman and in the Batcave quite cool a bit of that? Michael Keaton as Batman too not like a little bit like once once he says that I'm Batman he's, a, he's in the trailer a lot I really want them to make another Michael Keaton Batman movie. Well, that it, was the idea. They were going to make a Batman Beyond movie. Christina Hodson was going to write it. And, you know, even as much as I'm not a big Batman guy, Batman Beyond was the one thing I always thought. And especially when you had Michael Keaton coming back, you finally had the opportunity to be like, no, no, a Batman Beyond movie actually makes sense now. Like, like doing that now makes sense. And I had kind of heard rumors that that's sort of what the Batgirl movie was kind of positioning itself as a little bit that like Michael Keaton was kind of the elder statesman yeah. sort of training the, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, well, they, they yeah. erased him from that or they actually erased the entire movie from existence. Right. And, uh, you know, he was supposedly going to be in other things as well. And, uh, supposedly I, I think this is going to be probably the only time that we see him as Batman. Did you see? Like Maybe in, we'll see because he had shot a thing for Aquaman too. But now we've heard rumors that that's not going to be in the movie, and I so I don't know. It's it's uh, yeah. It seemed like Keaton was prepared to like do a bunch of this, and then now he's maybe not doing any more of it. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. There are times where I see people reprising their roles many years later, and I'll I'll name them. Uh, even Harrison Ford. Uh, for both Indy and uh, Han Solo in, in the recent sequel trilogy, like, uh, you know, the um, Bill and Ted movie they had recently. I, I see these people reprising their roles and I'm like, oh, my God, they, they it almost like makes me feel uncomfortable because they look so much older and it looks, I don't know, it, sometimes, I mean, in both of those cases, actually, they, they have, or in both the Han Solo and... Bill and Ted, the the movies and performances delivered, but like it it did look weird. I'll tell you right here with Michael Keaton as Batman, I, I had none of that. I was just like, yes, yes, this he is Batman. 
Like it, it didn't feel weird at all that he was older. It feels very Batman for sure. The one thing I will say is that I would do, I would push back on Harrison Ford as Han Solo a little bit. I know, like, like I think that him in the Force Awakens is a genuinely outstanding performance, and and it, and like that. Oh, it is. I, I've kind of, I, as the years have gone on, I've become very like attached to and fond of that very specific version of Han Solo. And uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you. There was like again, I've said it a lot of times on this podcast. I'm a podcast. I'm not a big Batman guy, but but man, there's just something about Keaton coming back and like, you know, seeing him in that bat suit. And like, the only thing is obviously like, you know, like as an audience member, like when he's going through some of the crazy, crazy action he's doing, you're like, okay, he's like, <laughs> you know, super duper old. And like, you know, that's like a little bit hard to buy, but like, it's pretty cool. And I think that him as like the elder statesman Batman is, uh, there's even that line in the trailer that felt like such a like Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne line where it was like, he's like, you want some help? You know, just like real matter of fact, <laughs> like with this like really crazy problem. And I just really liked, like, it seems like a good, it seems like Andy Muschietti is the right guy to sort of get the correct nostalgia wave out of that. Like given what he was able to do with it and the whole like kids on bike genre and making it feel very stranger things will also horrific, but it sort of gave you nice nostalgic feelings. And I feel like Muschietti, if he can capture that same thing with Keaton's Batman, we're in good shape. Yeah. Um, and hearing the Batman theme again was exciting. And, uh, you know, seeing, I, I saw you tweet about this, but the, the other version of Batman we saw, uh, direct out of the comics for, yeah. I mean, I, now I got a little bit of pushback on this. Cause again, I'm not like, I'm not like a, a comic book historian here, but, but I, I, when I picture Batman in my head, so much of the time I picture the like blue and gray Batman, very notorious, uh, notoriously associated with one, Mr. Neil Adams, one of our great comic book artists of all time and, uh, the late great Neil Adams. And so for me, like I saw, there's a shot, there's a very brief shot of Ben Affleck's Batman, in action and he's in a blue cape and cowl and like a gray suit and it looks aside he doesn't have the blue trunks but it otherwise looks like neil adams batman and i'm like man why have because i'm a little tired particularly after the batman of just like let's go more black more dark more that like i've i've been really looking forward to that like blue and gray batman and and you know if this really is affleck's last ride and i believe that it is getting affleck getting to sort of be that Batman um, is pretty cool. So I, that, that was my favorite part of the trailer, I think, overall. Yeah. Um, and also, obviously, the reveal of Supergirl, um, which, again, I haven't been really reading much into this film, so I didn't know. I didn't know anything, to be honest with you. I, I, I usually, with these superhero films, know a lot. I didn't know that Supergirl was going to be a part of this. Uh, what did you think of the Supergirl component? Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the costume at the end, but, um, I thought, you know, for what little bit it, it was a good idea. Cause again, you're sort of going through, you know, the multiverse of it all. And, you know, you flip that on its head with Supergirl instead of Superman. And I get that. Um, I, I guess we should touch on the, like the whole Ezra Miller of it all. Like, you know, clearly do we have to Warner, <laughs> just, just, but I mean, I guess the only thing worth saying is that like, you know, Warner brothers know. has been, there's been a lot of pressure on Warner brothers to do something about this movie. But I, but everything that everyone has said is like, yeah, this movie is incredible. And like, I think if it was a lesser movie, Warner Brothers would have been more inclined to maybe do something about all the Ezra Miller of it all. But I think the, I, I hate to say unfortunate, but I think for unfortunate for them, because it left them in a 
tough situation is that they were left with an incredible movie by all accounts. And that trailer kind of backed that up. So, you know, whether or not Miller is our guy in the future, eh, I don't know. But like it, I, after seeing this trailer, I get why they couldn't just shelve the movie. Yeah, uh, it, it's actually kind of amazing how DC was going to do this movie so long ago and they were going to beat Marvel to the multiverse. And Marvel had, because this has been delayed and delayed and delayed, uh, you know, production this was delayed supposed to and be, next to the movie. People forget its original release date was February of 2018. It was supposed to be the first <laughs> DC movie to come out after Justice League. So like it, I mean, this has been kicked down the road for five years now. Yeah. Okay, some other trailers that uh, were at the Super Bowl. We can talk in a lesser bit about these, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mean, this is more of the same. It's more teasing the heartbreak of the Guardians not not making it out alive and uh, some fun with Peter and alternate Gamora. And uh, what what were your thoughts on this one? Um, I really, I am feeling very fatigued with the mcu right now and i wish i didn't um but i do and uh this is the one movie coming out though that i'm like oh my god i'm so excited about this and i think it looks great and i think it kind of has the opportunity to sort of do the like what a lot of good trilogies do where like the first one's great the second one eh, maybe not as great but then the third one kind of sticks the landing and like i think that that happens every once in a while and i really do think that that might be what we're about to do here um i i, I really I really am really excited about this movie and and I'm hopeful and I'm just trying not to get because like I crushed myself last year getting so excited about Multiverse of Madness and it was so <laughs> dis- like it really was disappointing to me and uh, kids don't 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 love movies to the point where they will hurt your soul when they disappoint you. It's really a huff, it's a tough way to live. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, me, me too. Uh, and the last one I want to talk about is Transformers Rise of the Beast, which uh, I, I think this is, is mostly a cut down of the, the first trailer that came out. But I think it show, showcased more of a, the Mirage character, which is a, one yep. of the Transformers that can, like, yep. uh, I mean, create a mirage of himself or itself. What is the pronoun for a Transformer? I don't. Themself? I've never thought about that. <laughs> I think Transformers have historically been gendered, I think, a little bit, like a he. Yeah. But, but, but Mirage is, I mean, they're all just named stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was, you know, it was like Bone Crusher. It's like, well, it's a big, powerful, you know, I don't know, a Starscream. Oh, he flies. You know, like, it's, uh, it's it doesn't matter. Megatron, he's mega and big and, you know, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It's transforming alien robots. Let's just, let's move on with it. Have any thoughts on Rise of the Beasts? Very optimistic about this one. Um, I, I think I, I am a gigantic defender of that first Transformers movie, the first Michael Bay one. Um, I think me too. From there on out, from there on out, it gets a little questionable, but I absolutely love. Like that was a I kid you not a watershed moment for me. Like as a movie viewer, like you know, eighteen years old, just didn't ever think you'd see something like that. And I just remember being in the theater and you see Optimus Prime transform for the first time. And it's so easy to take for granted now, but just how that was really like, wow, you can do anything, you know, like I just felt that way. And, you know, a lot of the sequels, not very good, but Bumblebee was great. And, you know, I think now that you have Michael Bay not directing, like, let's not forget, you have the guy that directed Creed 2 directing this movie. You know, like, you've got a really good director here, and you've got a really good cast, and, you know, I I think Paramount took their time with this. They didn't rush it. 
Um, I love the Beast Wars concept. I I don't know. I I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I and I liked what I've seen. Yes, me 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 as well. I do have this theory, Ryan, that I think the odd numbered Transformer films are actually enjoyable. And by uh, that I mean I, I Transformers su- one and three. Three was the three D one, and that was in Chicago. And I know the first half of it's bad, but it has this like one hour climactic battle in Chicago, which I think is a lot of fun. I was and then say, Bumblebee, I, I, I think, defend- would be the next. Well, no, because you got – so because I, I would defend that third one as well as like a fun blockbuster. It's not great, but it's fun. But the thing is then you have yeah. Age of Extinction, which is pretty bad. But then you have The Last Night, which is really bad. Oh, um, I forgot and- about The Last Night. Okay, so – yeah, my theory goes out the window. Sorry. Yeah, the, the only thing is because Age of <laughs> Extinction, Age of Extinction was where I started to realize, like, oh man, like I'm getting worn out with these. Like, I I didn't hate it as much when I first saw it, but it's not great. But man, the last night, like, the last night had such a tremendous trailer. Like that first teaser trailer for Transformers: The Last Night still might be, I think, one of my favorite teaser trailers ever. Like, it's so good. And you got like Anthony Hopkins voiceover. And then what that movie actually is, I almost walked out and I've only walked out of two movies in my life. Um, So, you know, yeah. But then Bumblebee, so delightful. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. Ryan, you are here. It is a Monday. That means we are contractually obligated. It is it is in the the contract on uh, Slash Film that you need to talk about the box office. Apparently so. It's the uh, one of the only reasons I'm still around these parts, I believe. But uh, but um, yeah, so it was kind of a quiet weekend, as it often is over Super Bowl weekend. But there was a peculiar happening. So Magic Mike's Last Dance um, uh, hit theaters and, and it did top the box office uh, with eight, but only eight point two million dollars. Now, a gigantic part of that is Warner Brothers only released this on fifteen hundred theaters for some reason. Now, just to give you an idea, it had by far the best per screen average of any movie this weekend with 54 over $5,400. The next closest being avatar, the way of water with like $2,200. So like, I don't know why Warner brothers didn't release this on more screens. This was originally supposed to be an HBO max release. Then they pivoted to theatrical at some point. There's been a lot of discussion about Warner brothers, maybe not even having money to run like proper, um, you know, marketing campaigns because their, their finances are in such disarray. I don't know if that's true or not, but it is peculiar to me that a movie, the, the finale to a trilogy that uh, of movies that made a great deal of money didn't get a wider release. Apparently they're going to try to expand it this upcoming weekend, but then you've got Ant-Man coming out. So it's very strange. Um, you know, this one also carries like a $40 million budget. So you've got, you know, a lot more room to sort of kind of, trying to make up there. I don't know. I I just thought Warner brothers fumbled the ball with this one. And I would have liked to see it in more theaters with a slightly more robust marketing campaign. But um, other than that, you had the Titanic 25th anniversary coming in at number three with 6.4 million. Uh, It also made like 20 million some odd uh, around the world. Are Um, are you at all surprised that Titanic was not able to beat out avatar? No, no, No? it's, it's been re-released several times. and, And I think what was weird is like it, like it, it's billed as the 25th anniversary thing, but this is like two months, two or three months after its actual 25th anniversary. So it's kind of like the 25th anniversary of its theatrical run. I, I don't know. 
Um, yeah, and then Avatar The Way of Water uh, finished at number two with 6.8. So James Cameron occupying two of the top three spots, uh, cementing himself as the greatest of all time. Um, the other, the other, the other interesting thing and not necessarily great thing for M night Shyamalan is that knock at the cabin, which, which was our number one movie last weekend fell all the way to number five, which is 5.5 million dropped over 61%. Meanwhile, 80 for Brady, which finished number two last weekend, uh, stayed at number four with $6 million. So it is dropping a lot less. Whereas knock at the cabin is dropping harder and faster. Knock at the cabin has a $20 million budget. It's falling fast. Um, it's going to, it's going to need a little bit of help, I think, to get to, get to profit, get to profitability. Um, yeah, I, I know you like knock at the cabin, but I, the cinema score for that was quite low. And I know, uh, some of the, I don't know. I, I, I feel like people have come up like, do you think it's the buzz that is hurting this? Yeah. I, I think so? the word of mouth is not great on it. Cause I think, cause I think the word of mouth on 80 for Brady has been better. And so that's, you know, I, um, although I, the one thing I will say is I would imagine in the end that the international box office rating for Brady isn't going to be as robust. Like I just can't imagine, you know, cause the <laughs> NFL isn't as big in many other countries. So I, I would think knock at the cabin might have better like international prospects, both through the home video market and through box office. So I think, I think knock at the cabin will probably ultimately break even through all of it, but it's not going to be a big moneymaker. Okay, uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, first off, they, they announced a fourth Riddick movie. Uh, Vin Diesel is going to be reteaming uh, with the dire- director of that franchise uh, for Riddick Puria. Is that how you Furia, say it? Yeah, Furia, I think, was a character Furia. from one of the movies, I believe. It's been a long time since I've seen, I think, Chronicles of Riddick. But. You know, I've only seen Pitch Black. The, the first film that came out in uh, 2000. Yeah. Good one to see. Pitch Black's fun. Yeah, it's a great movie. And then I heard the sequel. Uh, what was it? The the Chronicles of Riddick? Chronicles I guess of Riddick. It, which, I guess which, there was which, like an animated short film in between there. But yeah, the Chronicles yeah. of Riddick. I heard that wasn't as good. No. And, and it's also Chronicles of Riddick did that thing where it went really big for the sequel. So like Pitch Black is a very reasonable, like, you know, $23 million budgeted movie. Chronicles of Riddick had a hundred and twenty million dollar budget, and it only made one hundred and seven million worldwide. So it was a gigantic ass flop. Uh, that is why it took nearly a decade to get the third movie, which is called Riddick, made. Uh, and that one had like a thirty eight million dollar budget, made ninety four million dollars, pretty reasonable size hit. Um, you know, it's a nice mid budget returns there. Um, and again, Riddick is really good. I think that might be my favorite of the bunch so far. Um, oh, really? So I- yeah, no, Riddick's Riddick's a lot of fun. The 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 one from 2013 is really good. Um, so you know you're two for three here, and I think the key here is let's not bigger is not better with this franchise. Uh, so you know, yeah, uh, maybe I'm gonna have to go through the Riddick, <laughs> the Riddick movies, so that I can uh, understand this fourth one. Are you excited that they're making a fourth one, or? Do you I don't know care? if like I'm excited, but I'll totally check it out. Like I'm, you know, it's one of those things where it's like not everything has to be like extreme, right? Like sometimes movies can just be movies, and like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I like Pitch Black and I like Riddick. I will totally see what a fourth Riddick movie looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on, I mean, I'm sure like if the trailer is terrible or if like the reviews are, you know, really bad, like we'll see. But I'm at this moment in time, I'm like, okay, yeah, hell yeah, go nuts. Like I'm, I'll check it out. 
it's just weird to me that like you know they made this movie in 2000 it was like a small film and it's gone on to become this huge franchise that not only has you know it's gonna have four films has a comic book i think there was a video game i think uh you know there's an animated short there's <laughs> like who would have thought with riddick or pitch black that would spawn a, a franchise of this size i think I think what happened was, if I remember, I don't, I can't, I think, oh yeah, here we go. So in 2006, Diesel agreed to make a cameo in Universal's film, The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, in exchange for the ownership to the rights of the Riddick franchise and character, because he liked that character and franchise so much, and that's what got the 2013 Riddick made. Because, Mm. you know, so like, so that was, that was what got Vin Diesel back in the Fast and Furious franchise, because he wanted to make riddick so i think that's kind of interesting that he's gone to bat for this franchise like in a big way like this is what he prefers to do (laughs) yeah i'm also sure that because of the ownership that he gets a a good chunk of uh you know the back end or the you know what what the movie makes so he is more invested in these movies than a movie that the the studio owns well and i'm sure universal at the time didn't care because chronicles of riddick was such a bomb that they're like okay, well, I don't know what the rights to this franchise mean to us right now, but we know Fast and the Furious means something to us. So, like, you know, that was probably ultimately a really good move on Universal's part, too, because of the billions they've made from Fast and Furious now. 100%. Um, okay, lastly, uh, we have recently got a movie called Plane, which I didn't end up seeing. I just assumed it was going to, it was one of those things that people were mocking on Twitter, but it ended up doing so well that it's actually getting a sequel. Ryan, tell us about it. Okay, first off, I cannot stress this enough, and I think I said this to you. Plane is general, genuinely a good movie. Like, it is actually really fun, really good. It is exactly what you want it to be. It, it, it I cannot recommend Plane enough. Uh, look, we're, we're, not, we're only midway through February, but, like, if the year ended right now, Plane would maybe be my number two movie of the year. Like, it's very fun. Um, uh, but, yeah, so we're getting a sequel. Uh, there's some interesting stuff here first off the sequel is going to be called ship which i'm a big fan of um and uh the original starred mike coulter and gerard butler um gerard butler was the pilot of the plane uh but he is not also a seaman so uh it's just going to be coulter this time around um what's also interesting is lionsgate distributed the first movie but um it was technically an independent production that lionsgate acquired uh, so what's happening is Mad River Pictures, D Bonaventura Pictures, and G-Base are reuniting to produce the film, and the rights are being shopped at the European film market as we speak. Um, no word on a director yet, uh, but they're planning apparently to get filming started by the end of this year, so they're not wasting any time. Um, uh, we also have a bit of a synopsis here, uh, and it says the sequel will see Gaspar, uh, which was a... Uh, 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 Mike Coulter's character hop aboard a cargo ship in East Asia to escape the Philippines where he was left at the end of the first movie only to discover that the vessel is being used as a ferry for a human trafficking ring that has Gaspar joining with the second mate navigator to take down the ship's corrupt captain captain keep its innocent passengers safe and liberate its captives um, so kind of similar to the first film um, but what's really interesting here is that the first movie on paper has not performed particularly well uh, it's currently sitting at 43 million worldwide. Um, originally, the budget was said to be in the 50 million dollar range. However, uh, it now estimates have it closer to 25 or 35 million. So, even that being the case, though, 43 million doesn't get you anywhere near 
you know, uh, making. Yeah, but this is a movie that will do well on VOD and will be on TNT and right. So that's sort of my thing is 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 the VOD numbers must be good for for the studio. But the the only other thing I would say is what we're probably going to get here is probably something similar to what happened with like Escape Plan, where that first Escape Plan movie didn't make a lot of money, but it performed for a certain crowd. So then they made two sequels that were at a much lower budget. That would be my guess of what's going to happen here. Yeah, I I think the most shocking to me thing to about this to me is they didn't make the sequel called Planes. I <laughs> I will say having seen Plane, what they're pitching here actually makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, okay, and and, and like the, the plot that they're going for because the big thing is the other reason I think they're going to go much lower budget here is like all due respect to Mike Coulter, he. Gerard Butler does kind of have a draw. Like he has an audience draw. There's people that will turn up for his movies. I don't think Mike Coulter has a name like that at all. So I feel like it'd be tough to sort of like hinge, you know, hinge a bigger bet on his name. But um, I could see this. If you could make this one for 10 million or less somehow, you know, I, I it depends, but um, I, I'm absolutely going to watch it. Like there's no question. I'm going to watch it. Plane is, gen- I cannot recommend enough to people to, to give plane a shot. Um, I, I, a lot of people in the, around slash films parts are, uh, are, are, are fans of it as well. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I would highly encourage some of you to, if, if you're in the mood for just like a fun action movie, um, that is less silly than its name would suggest. Give, give plane a shot. <laughs> okay, fine, Ryan. I'll, I'll, I'll end up seeing, it. I'll probably do it on VOD. Uh, tonight I'm seeing Ant-Man, and the Wasp Quantumania at a press screening, so I'm excited to see that. Are you looking forward to it, or what, how are you feeling about Ant-Man? I mean, I haven't felt this Marvel fatigue that I feel like you and many others are feeling. Oh, that said, I haven't liked the last couple Marvel movies. You know, uh, Multiverse of Madness and uh, Thor Ragnarok have been some of uh Thor, love on and the thunder, lower th- you mean i take it? or sorry yeah love and thunder uh, sorry uh have been on like the probably bottom third of my uh marvel rankings i would say so i, I don't know uh, i have i've enjoyed most of the ant-man movies i'm kind of excited that they're setting up a character that is uh you know the the villain of this upcoming phase so uh, i'm excited to see what you know, I, I am all for that kind of build up to some, like the big, you know, whatever it's going to be uh, at the end of this phase. And uh, I don't know. Are you not excited for Quantumania? I mean, I, I've never been. I like Ant-Man more as part of an ensemble. I've never been a big like um, a solo Ant-Man guy. Um, but uh, my little brother's actually coming to town to for the weekend and in, in part just to go see this with me because he's, you know, uh, so like the, I'm excited about like what I have planned around it. I'm very excited for Kang. Um, I think the initial reactions to this movie coming out of the screening, it was like very much read between the lines. Like it's very similar to a lot of recent Marvel movie reactions where like people seem afraid to say anything negative about like an MCU movie still. So they'll kind of say something that seems like they're sitting on the fence and the, the Quantumania reactions very much read like that to me. So, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little pessimistic about it, but we'll see. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'll let you know how I feel about it after I see it. Uh, but until then, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast every weekday on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. 
Uh, please send us your feedback, questions, concern, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>